0: Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of
1: ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan.
2: Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and you know, with my first guest, I think a lot of you have seen what might become her signature quilt. It had bees on it. It's called Buzz. And Sherry Cifaldi-Morrell's work from Whole Circle Studio is pretty distinct, and um, I'm just really excited to find out a little bit about what she's doing, how her projects are. So Sherry, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. You know, you have a design background, which um, is pretty envious for a lot of us, Sherry. It's like, oh, I wish I had that. Um, But you didn't start out as a quilt maker. You told me you had like one lonely book that sat there on your shelf, (laughs) I did.
0: I did. I um, I'm trained as a graphic designer and have been working in the field um, for over 20 years in different various forms um, and ways. And I've always been a maker and loved making things with my hands. Um, and I did. I had. I collected quilt books um, long before I ever became a quilter, and they sat on the shelf. And I used them for other um, sources of inspiration in
2: my two dimensional work. Yeah, I think that's funny. They just they were they were for other things. We just look at them. <laughs> exactly. So, when did you decide to pick one up and maybe give it a try? What made that happen for you?
0: Um, so about four years ago, um, I was just going through some challenges, um, and I was looking for something just for as a distraction um, in my spare time. And I knew a few quilters, including one that I worked with, and one day he brought in this quilt that he was working on. He grew up with quilting in his family, and just something in me, I don't know what it was, something in me clicked that day, and I said, you know what, this is the time for me to try this out. So I went to uh, my big box fabric store, and I brought one of those books that I had collected on my shelf and i just started picking out fabric and i had no idea what i was doing at the time (laughs) but i made i made my first quilt and that's sort of how it how it all started
2: so when you made that first one, Sherry, did all of a sudden you go, hmm, this is kind of fun, I'm going to do another, or did it? was there a break? No, I was completely addicted. It was nothing <laughs> but. And um, my studio now is in my home.
0: It's a spare bedroom. I actually took over two of the, the spare bedrooms in our house. Um, uh-huh. One of them was my husband's um, office computer room, and he um, very nicely cleared it
2: all out, and it has become <laughs> my full-time studio. <laughs> Oh, my, lucky, that's very lucky, of understanding family. They're like, sure, take my office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about why you started to design unique patterns, and and I'm sure it's because you design a lot of things, so why not, huh? Yeah, it seemed like a natural transgression um, or, you know,
0: just a, a nice transition to it, Um I like I said, those those the first one or two quilts I made were out of a book. But as I started getting into it and really looking into the design and diving into the production, there was a lot of overlap of what I was already doing professionally. And I'm like, hey, I can take my designs and turn them into quilts. And then it was, it's been all, you know, it, it's been nothing but since.
2: So was Buzz um, with the bees? Was that your first um, sort of quilt to put out in the universe? yeah um, actually, I had one prior to that.
0: um I, through the modern quilt guild i and the uh, Michael miller's fabrics um I had submitted a quilt the previous year, and it actually was one of the top three winners out of seven hundred and fifty entries. So that sort of is what started it all. and then, mm-hmm. um a few months later, I created Buzz um as another competition uh, for the quilt Alliance as part of their annual um their annual fundraiser, and that, would, I'd say, was what really got the most attention. And I know it's been all over Pinterest and online, and mm-hmm. a lot of people recognize it. Yeah, it is really cool. And those bees are large, aren't they? They are. The first ones were small. The first mini quilt was only 16 inches by 16 inches. That was part of mm-hmm. the challenge, the restrictions and the challenge. And then when um, I released the pattern, because I actually received a lot of emails asking mm-hmm. people, do you have the pattern? can I buy it and that's really what started um self publishing for Whole circle Studio was the demand and so I made it I doubled it in size and it's thirty two inches by thirty two inches The sixteen inch by sixteen inch was really tiny pieces to work with
2: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine i was I was looking on your Instagram where you taught a class, and so people were holding up a B and so you really got a chance to see you know it's uh how big they were so when you uh, you're you you know, you are just sort of starting out in a way, so you don't have a, a massive collection yet of designs, but everything looks so cohesive. What do you do um to approach a new design? What is sort of your process? Um, I do, I really think, and this
0: is for all design, um, that design is often better when there's a concept behind it. Um, and I really try to lean towards things, um, things that I'm inspired in my everyday life. Um, there's a, a saying that one of my graphic design professors, which at the time, it made sense, but not as much sense as it does now, it really clicks. He would just repeat to us over and over and over, what do you love, what do you like, what do you care about? And I really approach, I sort of, when I'm looking at, new designs or making a list of what what to approach next. That's sort of what I take a look at. And then once I have an idea or have a concept, I really just sort of break it down. I do lots of research for the bees. I looked at lots of photos of bees, even though it's abstract. I want to try to be driven by the accuracy and what bees look like and then break it down into shapes. Um, so I do some sketching by hand, by pencil sketching, um, and I use I, I do a lot of my sketches, though, on the computer um, in Adobe Illustrator, which is something that I'm really familiar with.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the, the, I, I like that thought of having um, a reason. You know, it does kickstart and give you a focus for everything, um, even if it's a color, don't you think? Absolutely. Sometimes I think when the
0: possibilities are so great, it could be paralyzing. So giving yourself yeah. <laughs> constraints really helps. And often at times, I find if I'm stuck, if I'm having sort of a, a designer's block or I'm just stuck with a particular part of a project, kind of just backing up and maybe giving myself constraints. And it sounds weird, it sounds counterintuitive, but it does help at times, or most of the time.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I really do. It's like if you give yourself just a little bit of guideline, you know, you got to stay within this and then see where that see where that takes you. You know, you also you've just been like the contest winner or <laughs> contest yeah, everything Sherry goes. Oh, let me just enter this, and um, not maybe you win, maybe you just get a lot of notoriety. So I will you, say uh, people get
0: people get discouraged. There's a lot of things that I put out there too that get rejected as well, <laughs> and I want people, but I want people to know that because that's important. Because sometimes right. when someone does seemingly on the outside, it's, you know, you put up beautiful things on Pinterest, and yeah. people think that everything is all great, but there's also rejections as well, and that comes with it. <laughs> just trying again over and over. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to make sure I got that point in.
2: Yes. No, it's an excellent point. It is an excellent point. Um, you know, it and nobody, there is no, like, fairy godmother, and nobody's discovered. You put in years of design work that are just sort of, coming together in this medium so it's not like you just started yesterday you have a lot of a lot of background um but you did win a nice little prize that took you to the trade show um to exhibit your work uh to the shop owners and the industry um did you just tell me just briefly did you enjoy the whole process was it fun it was absolutely incredible. It was amazing. Um, so I had
0: won the Craftsy um, Annual Quilt Designer Fellowship last year, um, and it was the first annual. We're going to have it again this year. Um, and the main part of the prize was I, they rented me essentially a space, a booth at International Quilt
2: Market so I can promote my brand, and it was absolutely amazing. Yeah you had a very nice space, too. You had a corner, and um, you, you're on your website, on your blog, uh, you have a really nice series of posts if people are interested in how you thought through how you would display your work. I just I found that interesting.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I have one more blog post, sort of the final, the biggest one is um, I've the, the last couple of weeks I've been posting sort of the process, sort of month mm-hmm. by month from when I found out, which was a very short period. I had three months to prepare for that, which was really short, um, <laughs> short time. Um, and I have one more post coming out next week, which is sort of the grand finale of um, the last few days of actually being there in Houston and setting up the booth and what went on
2: um, that weekend. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um I just have a fun question. So what what kind of um how is your workspace? Do you like work messy? Are you really tidy? I like to be tidy but oftentimes it isn't.
0: I try to after I finish up a project be <laughs> do a big cleanup. Right now it's looking a little hairy scary in here and it's about time, so <laughs>
2: well i'm a i'm a I'm a neat nick and and i I don't like you know i can't think if it gets too messy you know i got to put it all away mm-hmm, exactly
0: um, and if I'm stuck that's the other thing I'll do is just
2: kind of stop and just clean up or reorganize. Yeah. yeah, that's another good point. So, Sherry, you're going to be doing some traveling to teach. Um, I know we're in January right now, and QuiltCon is coming up in February. You're going to be there, right? I will. Um, I have been volunteering at QuiltCon. This will be my third QuiltCon, so I'm going to be volunteering.
0: I'm going to be taking some workshops. Um, I have three quilts in the show, and I also um, have been working on a super secret project um, with another uh, organization in the quilting community, and we have a big announcement and unveiling to do at quiltcon that will be Ooh. made um that weekend. Yeah, I'm very
2: excited about it. Yeah, and so at your at your website, which is wholecirclesstudio.com, people can um you have a newsletter? I do. If you um go to the website, there's a subscribe to the newsletter and there's also a pop-up if anyone is interested. Yeah, so if you want to find out about Sherry's project, she'll tell you in her, in her newsletter. And then um, do you have a place they can contact you then for um, teaching? Um, yeah, they could.
0: Um, I have a contact um, button on my website, or they can email me at Sherry, S-H-E-R-I, at WholeCircleStudio.com.
2: Cool, cool. So just um, we have about um, a minute. Are you doing this full-time now, or are you still sort of juggling that day job? This is my second full-time job. I do, yeah. <laughs> I do, I work at a, um, at a children's
0: museum and an exhibits department, um, and I love mm-hmm. that work, um, very, very much, um, but I also really love, um, Whole Circle Studio and building the brand and the design and what I've been working on and, um, working on some future collaborations, looking to branch
2: out of just quilt, um, patterns. So I'm really excited to what's, what's to come. Yeah. It's, you know, lots and lots of people. I mean, I did it too. I worked many, many years um, in my computer job. And then this was my second full-time job. I like how you mm-hmm. said that. It's like, yes. <laughs> Two full-time jobs. But well, it's Sherry, a lot of fun. Is... <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's a lot of fun. So Yeah. It is. It is. I mean, if you enjoy both jobs and you can make it all work, that's uh, the more the better. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being here. This has been great, and um, I don't think I'm going to get to Quilcon. It's kind of iffy. I have a family function, so I might. But if I'm there, I'm going to see you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Pat. It was great talking with you. So we'll be right back in a second, everybody. We're going to take a little break, and um, then we're going to talk about novels.
4: Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork & Quilting, Quilts and & More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. by downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com.
5: Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and & Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash Million pillowcases quilt along with us in 2016. Join our third annual quilt along by making a quilt, a one-block pillow, or all four projects featuring plus sign designs. Visit allpeoplequilt.com/quiltalong for a list of participating bloggers and designers, and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media using the hashtag #APQQuiltAlong to join the fun.
3: Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit pinterest.com backslash magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American
2: Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. And quilters, most of us do other things, too. We don't just quilt. You might uh, knit, you might crochet, you might bake, you might garden, and a lot of you read. And if you put a quilter in that story, I bet that your reading uh, of that book just puts it right at the top of the list. So I am excited because Frances Dowell has written, she's an author of many, many books, and she has written one that she put a quilter in, and she is a quilter herself. So hi, Frances. Hi, Pat. How are you? I am good. I am good. Good, um, good. you know, Francis, You write at um, offkilterquilt dot com, and you know, so you are a quilter. What, have you always been one? I mean,
6: like since birth, or when did you? <laughs> <laughs> I came out just quilting. No, and in fact, this year is my tenth anniversary of being a quilter. So I'm very excited. I knit for many many years and I always Mm. wanted to quilt but I would go to the library and I would get the books out of the library how to quilt how to make your first quilt and I would open it up and I would see the fractions and I would just (laughs) close it I am so math phobic and it was really not until I read Gwen Marston's book liberated quilt Mm -hmm. making that said don't worry Mm -hmm. about fractions just cut something out sew it up and you're good and I was like oh okay and that opened the door for me it took the fear out of it, and eventually I learned that two and seven-eighths is really just kind mm-hmm. of three. <laughs> you know, yes. I learned to cut big and then trim down. But that I think saying, don't worry about making mistakes, don't worry about math, let's just have mm-hmm. some fun, was really the, the what I needed to get me to cross over. But once I did, uh, that was it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, – I will never stop. Never, you
2: know, that happens to so many people. You you do one, and then it's just like it just tips you right over the over the edge. You're like, it okay, really Yeah, not look the at make, put, <laughs> put the knitting away, or whatever yes. it was. Um, so, but you've been an
6: author. You've been an author much longer than a quilter. Yes, I published my first children's book in 2000. It was a mm-hmm. middle grade novel called Dovey Co. and I have published roughly. A book a year since then, all, all pretty much middle grade. A couple early readers, but uh, Birds in the Air is my first book for adult readers. So when you, um, you know, I I
2: find writing a novel just, you know, I just I've I've never written anything like that. I mean, I write other kind of stuff. So I'm just always just fascinated by that whole story project process. You know, of how how you build a story. When you mm-hmm. when you decided that it would be an, your next novel would be for adults. Did right away? Did you assume you'd put a quilter in it, or did that hap- How did that happen? I
6: think I knew right away. I, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I have a very strong interest in quilt history and just in quilts. I mean, I love making quilts, but I love looking at quilts and thinking about quilts. But I knew I didn't want to write something academic i wanted to write a story that's and that's the great thing about being a writer you love something and you're like great i'm gonna write a story about it so i think from the very beginning i knew my main character was going to be a quilter and of course quilting is such a huge part of my life and in some ways i was really eager to write just about adults quite frankly and i and, and about being a parent about um trying to navigate middle age which is you know at age 52, something I've been doing for a little while now, but, um, you know, and, and so just to kind of, in some ways, I, I, I don't want to, in the Air is not autobiographical in some ways, but it's so, sort of hot, writing, I wanted to write about some things that I was experiencing in my adult life, and this was a way to do it, and quilting is such a big part of my adult life. There was no way, there would not be quilts in this novel. <laughs>
2: you had to, you just had to. I had to, I had to. <laughs> Well, we're glad. We're glad. Yeah, thank and, you. <laughs> um, so, what is just you know? I don't want to tell the whole story, obviously, but what is the main thing the quilter is trying to you know overcome or be? You know, what is what is the base of the story?
6: Well, there are a couple of things. The the main character, her name is Emma Bird. It's B Y R D. But of course, birds in the air is so a little play there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But she has just moved into a new community. Her, she and her husband have gotten this opportunity to move to a small mountain town in North Carolina. And it's that idea of, oh, the simple life, and, which oh. Oh, never turns out to be simple. <laughs> and, and when Emma settles in, she's, she's, this is the, the great romantic notion of yeah. the book, she finds a quilt in a trunk in her attic. And I've always wanted to live in a house that had an attic that had a trunk, <laughs> and you open it up, and they're amazing things. And she finds a quilt in a, a new neighbor says oh you know you should take it down to the sewing room and she uh, to to get it to have someone look at it cuz it's clearly yeah. old and so she goes down to the sewing room and immediately the owner Ruth attempts to convert her into a quilter attempts to lure her into mm-hmm. the cult of quilting and Emma's like I'm not crafty I can't do this but she kind of does you know she, mm-hmm. she's kind of, she 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 brings home the fabric, she borrows the sewing machine, and once she gets started, that's it. And as you're saying, I think for so many people, and it's true for me, it's, there's something about the process that is so satisfying that you just want to keep making quilts. And, of course, quilts are beautiful. So so anyway, so the story is some of, you know, of Emma's learning to be a quilter, becoming part of that community, but it's also a story about being a newcomer, about being a middle-aged woman and trying to find space for yourself to be creative and, you know, and, and to find out who you really are. And that's an interesting thing to me when I talk to my friends. Um When you get to be this age and your children are older, all of a sudden you're looking around and like going, who am I? What happened (laughs) the last 20 years? And what do I want to do now? And I think that's partly Mm -hmm. what's happening to
2: Emma in the story. And it's a place where a lot of um, quilt makers are. There's a large group of people
3: who Mm -hmm. are really
2: experiencing some or all of those different things. Um, Nita, have you made a birds-in-the-air quilt?
6: I have made many many birds in the air quilts. This is very I'm a very project oriented person and I just can't seem to stop once I start. So I had the idea that the the quilt that Emma finds in her attic is a Civil War era birds in the air quilt. And I thought, "Oh, I should make this quilt." And, you know, Mm -hmm. if I go talk about the book, I can bring that quilt. And then, so I started, and I thought I would hand piece it and hand quilt it. And I thought, but I also should make, what (laughs) if I made a modern birds in the air? That would be kind of cute and fun. And then I thought, hey – and then I just kept kept adding quilts to my list, and now I have I think six different birds in the air quilts, and it's been tremendous fun. And I hope to never do that to myself again <laughs> because um, when the book came out, I went to um, to a big quilt show in Atlanta or north of Atlanta, and mm-hmm. um, and did a trunk show. And so of course, right up to the last minute, I'm like, oh, these quilts, and, and trying to make you know make them perfect and yeah. what have you. And I thought, huh but it, I'm so glad I did because it was they are all different kinds of quilts and it was a great experience for me as a quilter but it, you know as as always I just kind of got out of hand there was so much I wanted to do
2: I think you know I could I could relate to that you get an idea and then it flows into another idea and then you start mm-hmm. making them all happen at once and then mm-hmm. you you know there's a goal so you yeah. have your book so you need to have but it's fun it's fun to have a lot of variations i was looking on your website because you show some of them there and um Mm -hmm. the one
6: actually has birds right the orange one there's one there's one that's called Bauhaus birds in there and that is a flock of birds it's um a fair it's i i it's a fairly stylized flock mm-hmm. of birds but yes but th- that one actually has birds i hadn't thought about that yes there's actually a birds in the air quilt with birds but um yeah, yeah. and <laughs> um yeah and you can I, if you go i think there you will find pictures um at the off kilter quilt site as mm-hmm. well as the the off kilter quilt instagram account so if you want to see those pictures they're there
2: and you also have started a website called quilt fiction what, do you list
6: all the fiction that you find that has a quilter in it? That is one of the projects, and if you go, it's quiltfiction.com, and if you go there, there's a library, and it turns out there's a ton of quilt fiction. I am not promising that it is all quality <laughs> fiction, but there's some great quilt fiction, which is exciting, but yes, so that is one of the aims. And I, I have just started this, and my plan here is to actually start publishing some fiction on the site, some short stories, and I'm hoping the first one's going to go up in a couple of weeks. And if you go to quiltfiction.com, if you love quilt fiction if you go over there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a free short story and it's about quilting so uh, i would love if people did that yeah but I, i love again i love quilting stories and so and sometimes on the site i write about quilt fiction that i have loved and read and loved and um but yeah i'm excited about the idea of actually publishing stories on the site yeah, and you um,
2: you also interview, do you interview other quilt fiction authors? I
6: do. So far, I, I did an a interview with Marie Bostwick, and I'm mm-hmm. hoping, and I need to set this up, I would love to do an interview. Are you familiar with Sandra Dallas, who wrote The Persian Pickle Club, among many other wonderful I, I know, books? I know who she is. I've not met her or talked to her. Yeah, ah. and she is someone um, that I would really like to interview, and, um, you know, if I could Grab Jennifer Cheverini. I would love to interview her, too. But yes, that's a, that. That So right now, just one interview, but hopefully ah, there will be many more.
2: There you go. People can yeah. find that. So so I have um, I,
6: I do travel to, to give talks or anything like that. I've started doing that a little bit, and I'm very happy to do that, um, Mm -hmm. to read a little bit from, right now, Birds in the Air, I should say, I am working on the sequel to Birds in the Air, and I have a a few events down the road planned to go talk and show quilts and um, tell stories. Yeah. Oh, tell, yes,
2: of course, because you're an author, so. Yes.
6: Yes. (laughs) That's my favorite way to talk about quilts, I guess, is to tell stories about them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: so uh, one, one last quick thing, uh, is your, it's, it's your main website Off-Kilter Quilt,
6: so that's where Off-kilter- everybody can find you? Well, that's one place. My, the Off-Kilter Quilt website is actually connected to my podcast, which is called okay. the Off-Kilter Quilt, which is a little bit more of a homemade podcast than yours if you if people want to listen to it i hope they will but i ramble a lot you should know that but i do talk about quilts and so more and more quiltfiction.com is coming becoming the main one but if you go to okay. offkilterquilt.com you will see lots of pictures and um there's some blog posts and things to read yeah thank
3: you francis oh thank you pat it's so fun to talk to you We'll be right back. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration.
5: Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Lock. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me.
3: Visit allpeoplequilt.com
5: videos to watch. Get
3: two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com.
4: Take an ultimate shop-hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands.
2: Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and we're going to talk a little um, machine quilting, you know, because that's something that uh, all of us eventually have done. And so I have um, Vicki Rubel of Orchard Owl Quilts here, and we are going to talk about long arming and just you know, the type of work she does, she's quite, uh, quite extraordinary quilter. Vicki, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you know, I was reading, um, and we were, you know, reading your your website, and then we were talking, uh, and you have probably one of the more fun ways you've gotten into a business. um the- you just were—you were gifted with a, a long arm. How, how, what is that about? Well,
1: I had just recently moved to Texas. My family was active duty Air Force, and my dad called me one day and he said, "Hey, guess what? I found a used Gamel at 35th Vac, And I said, "Good for you, Dad," <laughs> because that was. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was in Texas, and I said, um, that's really far, and I can't afford that, but thanks for yeah. letting me know. And yeah. Then he said, oh, it's okay. I bought it for you, Oh. and I just started crying because that oh. was, like, all it took. <laughs> best dad
2: ever, right?
1: Oh, yes, and then yeah. a couple months later, he drove it to Texas. And him and my husband set it up, and that was the beginning of the end, I guess.
2: (laughs) Now, had you been long-arming prior, or had you shown this great interest that you wanted to do this?
1: No. I had no (laughs) clue how to use a long-arm. I really had only played with maybe two at a show. I'm Mm -hmm. not really sure what my dad was thinking. Like, I think he went a little bit insane (laughs) when he thought that. Uh, because I had no idea what I was doing. So that just proved that anybody can do it, because I had zero experience.
2: So did, when it when it finally arrived and got all set up, did you start using it right away? I mean, they're so massive, and they're so, there's a lot to learn.
1: Right. No, I walked past it for probably <laughs> four to six months. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And every time I would talk to my dad, he would say, so how many quilts have you done? And I'm like, oh, I'm just still practicing. Yeah. So it took me a long time to really finally decide, okay, I've got to figure this out because he bought it for me, so I really don't have a choice. Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: I just started practicing and practicing, and I watched all the videos I could find. And I don't know, I just finally let myself play with it and started to really have some fun. And found found that I loved it.
2: So you know, I'm you're you have a very beautiful quilting style, Vicky. It's um, you look at things and you put an artistry level like a whole other level on uh, on the quilt. It's they're just gorgeous. Did you were you like a doodler prior? You know, was this something that you, you know, had some knowledge of? <laughs> No, that's also very funny because I cannot draw to save my life. (laughs) So so when I
1: get customers that say, well, can you do this or can you do that? And I try to draw it out and I always tell them, don't be scared. I can't draw, but I can quilt. So I'm not really sure what that's about. But luckily for me, I can translate things to the fabric that I can't in any other way. Oh, that
2: is so funny. Don't be scared. That's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, what um, what style of quilts are, like, your favorite? Like, if somebody brings in... I mean, you don't have to give a name, a style. Just, you know, like a style that, that you just think, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to get to that one.
1: Well, I really love quilts that have uh, a lot of solids in them. I just really love the fact that the quilting really shines on solids and I know a lot of people prefer the prints but Uh it's kind of it's harder to quilt those because you know a lot of times the quilting gets lost and Uh so I I kind of like the modern aesthetic I'm not just modern only but you know Uh just anything that has a little bit of space for me to have some fun with it.
2: Right, and I, I think that that is one of the things that people don't realize because they're patchworkers, so they like the pattern on the fabric, but right. you can't see a lot of the quilting on patterned fabric. So you need something tonal or solid, so that if you want to have the design speak. Now, can you? I thought we could do something fun, Vicky. Maybe um, you could talk through with me a couple of pointers. For people and how to look at their quilt um, to think about what they might might quilt because that's is that that's like the number one question. What do I quilt? Right, that is
1: the number one question that I get all the time when I teach. That's the first thing they ask me, and unfortunately, I wish there was a magical <laughs> equation that I could tell people. But mm-hmm. for me, I try to look for secondary designs. I try to look for maybe something that's in the piecing that I could bring out in the quilting. Um, My favorite tool is a piece of plexiglass, and I lay it on top of the quilt with a dry erase marker, and I can audition different designs. I use that a lot, not necessarily on every quilt anymore, Mm -hmm. but some where maybe I can't quite decide what I want to do because it's easier To draw it on the plexiglass and be able to erase it, then quilt something and have to rip the stitches out.
2: Now, where can, like, the average person get a piece of big plexiglass? You know, I don't even know where you get that.
1: You can find that at Lowe's or Home Depot. Okay. Um, My other big tip would be to put something around the edges of it. I have Mm. purple glitter duct tape around the edges of mine because (laughs) it's very easy to draw off of it, and we don't want to do that, so oh. I would just use something to mark the edge of it so that you know where your space ends.
2: Oh, my gosh. That is a great tip. Can you imagine with the dry erase marker right onto your quilt? Oh, my goodness. Ah! Horrible. <laughs> Very good <laughs> tip. Okay, so I, the other thing I wanted to ask you is maybe if you could give us, um, you know, maybe two or three pointers on sending a piece, because you do work you quilt other people's quilts, you design and quilt your own quilts, you enter competition. But if somebody's sending a quilt to be done by somebody else, what are the, the things that they don't think about?
1: So the first thing is make sure you communicate with your long-arm quilter because we all have different preferences. Um, the backing needs to be larger than the top, and I usually request four inches on all four sides. But, again, that's our personal preference. Mm -hmm. um find out if your long armor provides batting or if you would need to provide that find out if they provide thread or if you need to find if you need to provide that um one big thing i would say is make sure you actually talk to the long armor and communicate what you would like on your quilt because sometimes every quilt maybe isn't the best fit for me and i've had to turn people away and it's not because I didn't want to do their well It's just because I didn't feel like I could do it justice so mm-hmm. I think that's really important for longers too to to not take jobs that maybe don't make us happy or we think I don't know if I can pull this off
2: All right and I I know that um years and years ago I had somebody who was like oh well this didn't turn out quite like what I was thinking but I knew who the person was that did it and I'm like well That really wasn't a match for them. That's not their expertise. You know, you were wanting very structured work, and they do feathers. You know, I mean, it's like you weren't matched. You were asking them, you know, like – and like you said, the the person who's taking on the job should step up and possibly say, hey, this isn't really in my expertise or – I don't, I don't like doing feathers.
1: Well, and you know, in the beginning for me, I, and I know I, I would think that a lot of us are like this when you're starting out, you just feel like you have to take every job because you Mm. think I need the income and I need to do this. And I've gotten very lucky because some of them I took, I really had no business doing, but they (laughs) turned out okay. But you know, at the end of the day, as I get more confident as a quilter, I feel okay telling people I'm not the right fit for you, And but that's, yeah. a real, that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to say I don't think I'm the right person for this job, and then you don't want to okay. hurt anybody's feelings, and you hope that they understand that it really has nothing to do with them. You just don't think it's the right fit for you.
2: Right, right, and that's a good thing for everybody to remember. It's like it's a business transaction, and everybody mm-hmm. wants to be happy. You and the and the person who owns the quilt. So a good partnership um, right. is is requires communication. You know, you have to talk about it. Um, so, do you, when when you do a competition quilt, um, are you designing for a specific like um, challenge, or what do you generally like to do?
1: Well, this is kind of funny. Uh, Typically, when I do a competition quilt, it's because I've had an idea to quilt something a certain way, so then I have to kind of design backwards (laughs) with a quilt that will fit the quilting that I've got in my mind. So I think I kind of think a little bit
2: backwards compared to a lot of people. Oh, that is so interesting. Did The one that you have, the bird with the gorgeous tail feather, is that one of those?
1: That one was actually that one was actually a challenge. It was a Michael mm-hmm. Miller challenge for the Modern Quilt Guild, and I don't even remember how I came up with that. But I was like, "Oh, this should be fun. Let me just do an applique bird, and then I can quilt his little friend on the side." Yeah. So
2: that's how that one came about. Yeah, I just um, I always think it's so brave to see like all that open space quilted because your stitches have to be so gorgeous. <laughs> it's like, oh. Well, thank it's, you. Yes, it's scary for me to do it for myself, but I love seeing it. I think that's one of the most exciting things about looking at your quilts is that there's um is the artistry. You know, it's it's really really neat. Thank now, you, you do traveling when you travel and teach, do you um, people contact you from your website? Um,
1: yes, they can contact me through the website, and then I've taught at a couple national shows, and I'm hoping to start doing that some more over the next couple of years, just trying to build up and get out there a little bit more and do some more teaching. And then I also teach locally here in Las Vegas. Oh, okay.
2: So when you personally go to a quilt show, um, Vicky, what is it that you're attracted to?
1: Well, for me, the first thing I always see is the quilting on the quilts. I, mm-hmm. I love to look at them and see how the maker decided to quilt it. And I just love to just look at them and study that and see how other people's minds work when it comes to the quilting.
2: Yeah, it and you learn a lot by looking because you get to see, well, I like how they approach this, and then you can kind of put it in your toolbox of maybe someday if I get something similar, I can experiment. Right. Yeah. And do you think like the you know, we have about we have about a minute, but for the regular person who's quoting on their home machine, they can do that too.
1: They can. And just like we said in the beginning, I started with zero experience. It's just about how much practice you're willing to put in, and mm-hmm. I, I truly believe it's a learned skill. It's something that if you decide you want to do it and you can put in the time to, to practice and hone in on your skill, then you just get better and better, and it gets easier and easier.
2: Yeah. and it's all sort of a mind memory thing too that people feel like oh they quilted one quilt and it was nine months ago now they sit down and they go to quilt another one it's like they've forgotten everything right
1: but for me i quilt almost every day it's yeah it's a little bit ridiculous you know i'm <laughs> super busy so it, it happens and i just really love it so i'm super fortunate that that's what i get to do for a living
2: i want to also tell people to um We have just about 30 seconds, but check out your – you have a free tutorial for something – for a pattern called Swirly Twirly Dresdens. It's really adorable.
1: Thank you. It seems – it's one of the favorites, so I think everybody really loves that one.
2: Very good. Well, Vicki, this has been so great. I hope I get to meet you in person one day.
1: I hope so, too. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
2: This is American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. We're going to take a little break here in a minute. And when we come back, we're going to talk one of my favorite topics of redoing their studio.
1: Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands.
3: Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash apqmagazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting allpeoplequilt.com and clicking on videos.
4: See what other quilters are up to on the American patchwork and quilting page on Facebook simply go to facebook.com and search
1: for APQ magazine
2: welcome back to American patchwork and quiltings uh, talk show I'm Pat Sloan and I Super excited to have Moda designer extraordinaire, Joanna Figueroa Figtree Fig Tree here. Yay! Hey, Pat. How are you? I am good. So Joanna and I catch up every so often, and um, she's been on the show several times, also regularly contributes to American Patchwork, um, Family of Magazines. So uh, you, okay, so first of all, Joanna, I'm looking at your Instagram here today, and I see you have a small new member to your family that's fuzzy. I do. His name is Simba. He's very cute. (laughs) Is he like, is he in your fabric piles? Well, we're kind of
4: acclimating to him to different parts of the office at a time. So I had to actually move him from here because he was playing with the phone cord that I had for the call.
2: Yes, it's a kitty, so everybody can go to Fig Tree and Company at Instagram and see Joanna's new family member. Sweet little kitty. So, Joanna, yes. you told me that you were just working on redoing your studio, so I'm, like, so excited. And I thought, okay, you've got to come on. We've got to talk about redoing because I have Studio Envy seeing all your – are you done? Did you finish it already?
4: Um, I'm kind of halfway through. The big things I did, I, I changed up all of my bookcases and all my bookshelves. My fabric for me is all in open bookshelves because for me, if I put it away into tubs, which I know a lot of people love to do, if I put it away, I'll never use it. I'll never even remember that I have it. Yeah. So for me, it's all open. And so we basically we gutted we got rid of all the old bookshelves and put in new ones that we got at Ikea and my husband built them. And so we're kind of in the midst of we've done that part and we're kind of playing with some of the other, you know, kind of make putting it all back together again. You had said something about you're going to be redoing yours.
2: I am. I am. I have koala furniture on sale. Ooh, scary. It's oh, like, nice. <laughs> you got to take everything out. It's like my cutting table I've had since like, Day one is going away, and you know, oh, that's so scary, but um but I'm that excited, is, but yeah, yeah, so you know you've redone your studio a few times um when you think through this, do you do a layout, do you think about how I mean because our, we work in our areas so much, Joanna, you get in a mode that it gets sort of cluttered up
4: totally and i'm I'm such a visual person as i'm you know so many of us are who do this job right, but i mm-hmm. I need all of my my little color things and my inspirations all around. But after a while, I need to kind of clear the decks and start from scratch. So I feel like every couple of years, I either do a major or at least a minor redo. And so I changed the layout this time a little bit, um, and I knew that I was going to bring in new furniture, which I don't always do. But <laughs> since I want to have everything accessible, I kind of figure out. All kinds of like cute storage things to do. So I've got crates and baskets, and I've got you know I put all of one kind of thing together to help with the visual clutter, but still so that I can see it. If that makes mm-hmm.
1: sense. Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tell me. So about I'm always your looking wool, for because you the were storing wool. your. <laughs>
4: yeah, I was storing it on like a little vintage ladder, and I considered getting rid of that and doing something more functional and i couldn't part with it so i just reorged it but put it back in it's a a little (laughs) step ladder and i've like i've blocked off the back so that the wool doesn't fall off out of the back and then i basically have each rung you know i've shoved different little groupings of colors of wool in there i love i love it that's like my favorite little corner of my (laughs) studio
2: (laughs) do you have like a sitting area in your studio i do well i have um Probably not an area,
4: but I have an oversized chair that I sit in, or if someone comes to talk to me while I'm sewing, or I come in to talk to the gal who's sewing with me, you know, there's at least one nice, comfy spot. It's also the place where my kids, or my husband who comes in, it's like the first place where he plops down. He's like, can I talk Mm -hmm. to you? I'm like, sure. As long as I can keep sewing, you can keep talking.
2: (laughs) Right. You have to have the the chair. The The chair. Yeah, definitely. So, what is your favorite thing this time that you're sort of adding in that you didn't have before?
4: Well, so the piece we found an old, arch- well, it's not as old as a reproduction, but it's repro- a reproduction of a um, an architectural table that has like a big um, black cast-, cast iron bottom that is adjustable to go all the way up to however, whatever height you want it. And so it's, um, it's my cutting table, and that's the newest, that's kind of the newest addition. To the studio, and I love it because I can put it up exactly at my cutting height, and then my gal, you know, my helper can come in; she can just crank it down three inches to her height, and it's just it's super cool because it's just the whole bottom is a super heavy cast iron. It's got this beautiful top on it. I love it.
2: Wow! Did you find it at a flea market?
4: No, it's a reproduction. It was a. Oh, um, okay. We have a Pottery Barn um, outlet store near us, and we, my husband and I, over Christmas break went, you know, kind of perusing, and we, they had one, and my husband looked at it and he said,
2: "You have to have this." I was like, "Oh, (laughs) 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 okay, then I agree." Yes, what a great guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but you also, but you do a lot of flea markets, um, sort of. I do. I love
4: flea markets. There's a great one near us um, on an old um, army base on Alameda Island in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I go there monthly. And then I do vintage, you know, I do little antique stores and and those antique malls where, like, people have stalls. It's where I find Mm -hmm. all of the vintage quilts that we use for, like, our block of the month, or a lot of my patterns are inspired by vintage um, block designs, so... I'm always, you know, it doesn't really matter the condition of it. It's either the color combo in it that I fall in love with or a block that, you know, might be completely falling apart. But, of course, you know, we can look at it, right, and then redo it Mm -hmm. into something different. So I love, I love. I have a whole collection of ones that are in slightly better shape, but then I have a whole collection of ones that are just, you know, nobody wants them, but I love them. They're my, you know, my lost, my lost quilts. (laughs) And
2: (laughs) do you keep those? In your work area, too, or you have them or do you store them sort of different places?
4: Um, kind of I have like a stack of them in my work area on top of one mm-hmm. of my um, cabinets, and then I have, I have a closet where I've got more of the ones that are like in pieces, or when I buy quilt blocks that are vintage quilt blocks, or I also store my vintage um, fabrics there because I use those a lot of times for reproduction for fabric collection. So I have a whole closet that's kind of my you know my vintage, my vintage
2: stuff. I know. I need to come to your house. I need to see all the You do. And, <laughs> you do. I, I do. We're we're on opposite ends of the coast. We're different coasts. But I someday know. I'll get back to yes, you. You travel more than I do. So the next time yeah. that you're anywhere remotely in this side of the you know of the sphere. I know. It would be so fun. Um now this to, to, we're, going to, we're going to talk about your next fabric line, but first I want to talk about your block of the months with the antique quilts. Because, to I me, mean, do yeah. you actually like, Joanna, I think I would hyperventilate finding some of the quilts that you found. You found some really interesting pieces.
4: There's, I mean, sometimes you just, you come across something and you just, you know, you fall in love. Like the very first one that we did is not an actual, I saw it somewhere in a, um, like at an auction house. Somewhere it wasn't mm-hmm. completely outside of my um my budget, but there was something about the way that it you know the colors that they used, and I just looked at it and I knew that I wanted to create something that felt just like it. This mm-hmm. original, oh my gosh Pat, this original quilt had blocks in it that were was like a um one of them was a saw, like an actual like a hand oh. saw that oh. had been put into an applique i mean I'd never seen it was just so quirky, but the colors were they were just, they were so fantastic. They weren't even really me. You know, they, people were like, Oh, mm-hmm. this is not really you, but it was, there was something about that color combo that just, so that was the very first one that we did. I don't even own that quilt. It was just something I fell in love with and I looked at it and I was like, okay, we're going to do something that feels like this. Even if a mm-hmm. lot of the blocks are ones that we come up with, because we're not going to put, you know, a saw or, you know, some of these other things that, yeah. were, in there that were a little bit too, you know, too, a little bit too out there, but, um, and then the next one we did was kind of out of my imagination, and then I'm doing one now where um, there's baskets going all around the outside. But, it, again, it's another one that's like a completely quirky fabric combo, but there's just mm-hmm. something about it. I don't know. I really love that process of putting together together the, the color palette. You know, I know a lot of people struggle. That's like their least favorite part. It's kind of my
2: favorite part. Yeah, and I love I love how you do it. I mean, you do lots of bundles, too, for your website that I think are so neat. Every time you show a picture, I'm like, well, I need that. I like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know that you don't
4: actually need it. You just feel like you need it. I know. And sometimes I got got see my fabric in the
2: bundle. I'm like, oh, I have
4: that. Yes. It's <laughs> on my shelf. Yes, That's totally. Like <laughs> I've used your... Um, I've used hometown a couple times. I've used some of your greens and your reds, and yeah, I love to mix across. Motor designer bundle, you know. I think that the bundles end up being so much more interesting, especially when I'm doing a thematic one like Christmas or fall. Or you know, I love going on and just kind of picking oranges from one person and blacks from another person and gray, you know, or reds from, you know, and greens that match fig tree colors, but so that you know they coordinate, but they're all a little bit different. I look that's that's a lot of fun for me. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So what's the next line called? So the next line comes
4: in March, and it's called Coney Island. And um, it's kind of a mix of um, one of our more popular lines in the past was called California Girls and another one called Avalon. And um, we've kind of mixed in some of those colors and added in some new ones. And it's very much inspired by um, my vision of, you know, what Coney Island – now. Complete, you know, uh, confessions. I've never been to Coney Island. I'm <laughs> on the other side of the coast, right? Shh, but in my we won't head, tell anybody.
2: Coney,
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now we won't tell anybody, right? Right, um, right. In my head, it's like this iconic summer feeling, you know, boardwalk and the, mm-hmm. you know, just so it's what my in my head Coney Island feels like even though i have now told everybody that i've never actually been there
2: <laughs> yeah well you've seen pictures we've all seen pictures i've seen so. pictures yes absolutely right. and one day yeah.
4: one day i'll make it there one day
2: yeah so do you, do you when um we have like about 2 minutes but do you have okay. when you have a, a line like Coney Island do your quilts then like have names that sort of reflect that the patterns that that you build to use? Totally, the yeah. So
4: like the signature um, pattern in there that kind of came about before the line was even designed, I kind of designed for it was is one that we were calling Ferris Wheel, mm-hmm. and it's very much you know like inspired by the line. And then we've got another one um, that we've redone a really old classic fig tree pattern called Coney Island, so we we revisited that pattern and we did it, and we've got a couple other ones. Um, so, yeah, we definitely, I try and match the names to the inspirations in the fabric line
2: whenever I can. Yeah, I think that that's kind of fun to do because it just gives you a focus on, you know, how to. It helps how me to... to,
4: yeah, like, because I could just, you know, I design like 15 quilts in my head at once, and then I have to narrow <laughs> it down to, you know, four or five that I'm actually going to release. I'm actually teaching one of those, I think, at, in this line coming up in, um, in Utah, March 23rd through 25th at the Quilter's Lodge in Draper, Utah. I don't know if you've ever been up there. I've only seen pictures of it online. It's, it's this amazingly wonderful retreat center that they uh, that they have up there. So I'm very much looking forward to that.
2: I haven't been to that one, but it just uh, – I was at a, another place when we were at market last time. I went out to this, oh, okay. my sister's quilt shop and – Oh, yes, they're My Girlfriend's Quilt Shop, right? My Girlfriend's Quilt Shop, yes.
4: Yes, (laughs) yes, they have an amazing shop, too, yeah, and this one's Simples and Threads. They have a quilter's lodge attached, I think, to the store, and it's just like this old-looking lodge, this, you know, classic-looking lodge all made out of log cabins, and they do quilt retreats there. So, yeah, I'm going to teach there pretty soon. Yeah, very excited.
2: Well, everybody should check that out because Joanna doesn't teach that often during the year, so it's a great Yeah, that's true because she's very busy redoing her studio, so she can't. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, we've oh. got three kids. One of them is finally in college,
2: so it's a little bit calmer around here. We've got two, but, yeah, you're right. I still don't teach that often. So. So. Well, Joanna, this has been so much fun to catch up. Thank you. Yes. Good to talk to you, Pat. Everybody visit Joanna out at um, figtree.com uh, so you can see what all the things are that she's working on. And I'm Pat Sloan, and it's called figtreequilts.com. Just get that totally right. And you can visit me at patsloan.com. You know, join in on my Facebook group, Quilt Along with Pat Sloan. And then when you're over there, join the um, American Patchwork and Quiltings page. And next week I have a whole new show.
0: to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques.
4: Thanks for listening.